Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Father God, we just bless you tonight. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. The Father, that we, not just people who come in, who gather to do a religious thing, but God, to have an encounter with you, to be transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you about the way of life. You may have heard this quote from John Lennon. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And it just seems like a lot of people, that's how they live their lives. You know, next thing you know, all this time has passed. They found themselves in a situation without really giving any thought to how they got there. In in Proverbs 5, 6 is an interesting statement there. Speaking of the adulterous woman, it said, She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable, and she doesn't know it. You know, somebody who does not think about the direction of where their life is going and what's going on. And we have been given a tremendous power to be able to choose the kind of life that we want to live. You know, some of us have chosen you know, to go to college, some of us chose not to. Some of us chose to stay home with kids, some of us chose not to. We've all made a lot of choices that we're, walk, that we're you know, walking in the fruit of that right now. And, but lots of people, they just kind of go from whatever the mood strikes them, you know, with however they feel. Like, well, I felt like this and I felt like that. And they don't really have any clear direction to where they're going. But you think about it, no child wants to grow up and be a drug addict, Right? Nobody wants to grow up and spend years in jail. Nobody wants to become a parent while they're in high school. There's a lot of things that people don't want to do, but because they haven't pondered the direction their life is going in, they wind up experiencing those very things. I know over the years, you have too, we've seen people that just seem bent on a path of destruction. And you, you can watch this Pretty nice person, but you watch a series of choices that they're making in their lives, and you know that if they don't get off of the direction, they're going to get there, you know? And that's it. Is a lot of times people actually do get where they're headed. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, it's amazing. People seem surprised when they actually find themselves in a situation that they've been working towards for years and years and years. Let's look at the book, uh, the book of Luke, verse, excuse me, chapter 3. I've got so many scriptures here tonight. I'm probably just going to wind up referring to a lot of them instead of reading them. But there's a few of them I do want us to read. Luke chapter 3. Starting with verse 4. It says, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every ravine will be filled, every mountain and hill will be brought low, the crooked will become straight, and the rough road smooth, and all flesh will see the salvation of God. You see, there's a lot, if your life is not lined up the way God intended for it to be, it's going to be crooked, it's going to be warped, it's going to be perverted. To, to a perverted life is one that is twisted or distorted from the way it was supposed to be. 
And so we see a lot of people who are not thinking the direction they're going. And so therefore, there's no clear purpose, no clear direction for where they're headed. And their lives become twisted and distorted. Christianity was, first of all, in the book of Acts, was called the way. It was called the way. Because it had to do with a, a lifestyle transformation that people saw. And it wasn't just they had a new place to show up on weekends. It was because there was a transformation that happened in their life. When we connect with God's word and with his love, it's going to straighten out all the crooked places inside of us. It's going to straighten out all the places of internal perversion, places where we have gotten off track from the way that God had intended for us to live. You know, I want us to be people who are intentional about life. Not people who are just accidentally waiting to see what's going to happen. But people who have made a decision to choose to live in a way that God has designed us to live. And I'm not just talking about your morals. You know, you talk talk about this. People say, oh, you mean no sex before marriage? And I'm not talking about that. Yes, those are great, you know, choices that people need to make. But you know what? It's not the big things. You know, the Bible says in uh, what Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little everyday things that get in that messes up with a person's life. And it's the little decisions that you made that can continually lead you away from or else toward the goal that you have for your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 6.23, For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light. And reproofs for discipline are the way of life. You know, the commandments of God's word are meant to be a light. They're meant to be instruction. You know, when the power goes out and you're trying to remember where you put the flashlight or where the candles are, you know, what you're looking for is something to light your path. You know, you can be, you have walked in that hallway for 10 years. But when the power goes off, you slow down and start reaching for the walls. Isn't that true? And it's it's really funny. I thought, I know where things are in my house, but still, if the power goes out, I've deliberately slowed down because of lack of light. You know, the commandment and the teaching of the Word of God is meant to be a light unto our pathway that will light up and show us what's the next thing we're supposed to do. And it will bring us into the way of life. Proverbs 10, 17 says, He is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who ignores reproof goes astray. One who heeds instruction. We're living in a time when lots of people, you can't tell them anything. Anybody notice that? That people, that they know it all, you can't tell them anything. But the Bible says he that heeds instruction, somebody who's actually got a receptive heart, somebody who's actually opening and listening to instruction about how to live. You know, this is somebody who's going to wind up on a pathway of life. You know, I really believe that as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that we need to be teachable every day of our lives. That you never get to the point to where you know it all, you've heard it all, I don't care how many years you've been in church, but there's got to be a teachableness about us. And even when people begin to instruct us and say, you know what, there's a better way from what you're doing, there's a better way to handle the circumstance, that our, we need to be people who can receive instruction. You know, it's like lots of times people don't want to hear anything until they get in trouble. Then they get in trouble. Then the phone starts ringing. Now I need to see a counselor. Now I need to do this. Now I need deliverance, you know. That's what happens once in a while. Somebody finds out we do deliverance. And they're like, you got to get me delivered today. (laughs) You've only had that demon for 27 years. 
I think you can wait till next week. <laughs> but you know, it's like when people find out, they're just like, you got to help me. You got to help me. It's like, you know what? This thing would have been easier to deal with if we had dealt with what got you that demon in the first place 27 years ago. You know, not all of it's your fault. Obviously, sometimes demons enter through trauma, through inherited things. Sometimes it comes like that. But the truth is that I don't care where you came from. You can make the right lifestyle choices that will lead you out of darkness, out of captivity, into light, into a place of, of really living in a way that brings honor and glory to the Lord. But we need to be people who heed instruction, who listen to instruction. You know, um, I can remember when I was 17. I don't know how many of you remember being 17. Some of you aren't there yet. But when I was 17, I knew everything. I knew more than my parents. I knew more than everybody I knew because that was where I was at 17. I learned a few years later how wrong I was. And after I got married and had kids, I found out how smart my parents actually were. You know, there were things that you just tend to, well, they don't know what they're talking about until then later you wind up being in a different position, a different role. And, you know, we need to be people who can receive instruction from people who are older and wise in the Lord and also from just the Word of God, from just the teaching of the Word of God. You know, so many times what happens when people hear stuff they don't like, they just want to argue about it, just want to fuss about it, instead of just doing what the clear voice of Scripture says for us to do. Let's look over at Colossians chapter 1, starting with verse 9. Colossians 1. As disciples, we make conscious choices that we're living every day for the Lord, not just when we come to church, not just when we go to prayer meeting or go to Bible study, but we have made a conscious choice that this day, every day, I will bless the Lord, I will do what He says, I will live in a way that brings honor and glory to the Lord. You know, because life is lived one day at a time, one decision at a time. You know, lots of people, they want to dwell in the past, and they want to linger over and meditate on the future, but life is what's happening right now. And it's decisions that you and I are making right now that's determining where we're going to be tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Colossians 1 verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. Let's stop right there. Why does the Lord want us to be filled with all this knowledge? So that we're going to live right. So we're going to live in a way that brings honor and glory into the Lord. So that the Lord is pleased with all aspects of our lives. Not just the religious aspects or the moral aspects, but so that the Lord is pleased in every respect. Look what it says, bearing fruit in every good work increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You know, you're not trying to qualify. You've already been qualified. You see, living right is something that gives honor and glory to the Lord. It's living in a way that is, that is worthy of him. Do you know what's a real shame is that there are people who go by the name of Jesus, but they're just not very nice people. 
you know. There are people, they lie and steal and cheat and they're mean. They, you know, just act ugly. That's not in a way that is glory and honor, brings honor and glory to the Lord. Y'all don't know anybody like that, do you? You ever seen anybody like that, you know? But you see, it's a manner, it's a manner that is worthy of him. Because he's already qualified us to receive an inheritance. He's already made us righteous in his namesake. So it's been just living like it. That's all. So the fruit that's coming out of our lives is the fruit of people who are true disciples of the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 13. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness. We've been delivered out of darkness. Hallelujah. So listen, therefore, we want to live in a way like people who are actually free. Live in a way like people who actually don't have any darkness in their lives. None of this operating in your emotions. None of this operating with the thoughts that's going on inside of your head. It says we've been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The way of life that is worthy of the Lord is the way of life that is going to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. A way of life that is based upon truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. It's the way of truth. There is a lifestyle of Jesus. You know, for several years they had the little, you know, saying, what would Jesus do? And they were using a lot of youth groups and, and to get people to begin to rethink some of the choices that people were making. And I think that by and large, many of us have taken those big, you know, the big ticket items, the big things. Well, I don't rob banks. I don't cheat on my husband. And I don't, you know, big stuff like that. And we thought, okay, I'm doing okay. But you know what? The Lord is looking for any area of perversion in our lives that has been twisted away from what Jesus' lifestyle demonstrates so that, that can be adjusted and corrected on the inside of us. Jesus said that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Isn't that right? There's an abundance of life that Jesus wants us to have. Now think about this. What is the heart of God for your life? What's the heart of God for my life? For one thing, God intends for you to live in a way that brings honor to his name, but he also intends for you to prosper. He intends for you to be healthy. He intends for you to win at every challenge you face. He intends for you to overcome. He intends for you to run the devil out of your life. I mean, this is how God wants you to live. I think I want to live like that too, don't you? With, you know, you've got all your needs are met. You're able to be a blessing to other people. You understand your destiny, your calling, your purpose. You're able to minister out of the life of the Spirit of God. This is God's intention for us to live. He intends for us to possess our inheritance, to receive the promises, every last one of them, to walk in the fullness of the power of God, and to defeat every enemy that comes our way. That's his intention for us. And if we are not living like that, we're not living right. This is not just about morals, folks. This is about you need to be winning at the game of life. Winning and overcoming every faith challenge that comes to you. You rise up in the strength that God provides, the word of God, and you see victory. Every, every challenge that comes to try to steal, to kill, and destroy, you win. That's how God intends for it. That's an abundant life. And I've seen a lot of Christians that love God, but I'm sorry, their lives are not prospering. They're not living in a way that brings honor to the Lord. I mean, there are people that you feel sorry for sometimes. You feel bad for what's going on. But, you know, they're the victims. They're not overcomers. God is about us being overcomers. You know, self-pity is something that will knock you out of the purposes of God. 
And it doesn't matter what's come to you or what's come against you. It's what you've got to overcome. And a prosperous, overcoming life is one that meets every challenge and wins. You know, one of my favorite verses of the Bible is, is where it says that He always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And this will come out of my mouth a lot. I always triumph. It doesn't matter what the challenge comes. I always triumph in Christ Jesus because the Word of God says so. You see, God intends for you to win. What happens if you're losing all the time? God's not glorified in that. Isn't that right? Every time you've failed, every time you've been defeated, learn from it, folks. Don't beat yourself up. Just learn what you need to learn and go on so next time you win. Right? Exactly. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen. We've all sinned. We've all screwed up. That's just part of the deal, right? But we get our sins forgiven, pick up, learn from it, and next time we don't lose. Next time we overcome. So everything, every challenge that you and I are facing right now, hallelujah, it's another opportunity to give glory to God. It's another time for a miracle, another time for a deliverance, another time to see faith in operation and watch God come through on your behalf. This is, this is the abundant life. You know, living in the way that the Lord prescribes is the only way to have abundant life. There are a lot of people that are trying to live on their own terms. But the truth is, if we want to have a totally victorious life, we need to follow the instruction manual. Jesus is our example. And he said he always did things that please his father. Isn't that right? And so Jesus, he was over, he overcome everything. When did Jesus ever get sick? Only on the cross. When it pleased the Lord to bruise him and he made him sick with our sicknesses. Right? When did Jesus ever have an unmet need? Hey, they didn't even have food for a crowd of people. A couple of times, he was able to access the power of God. He didn't get over in the worry and fear and anxiety. He was able to draw upon his relationship with God, the Word of God, and not only meet his need, but meet the need of everybody in the crowd, thousands of people. Isn't that right? No matter what they had need of, he always was able to get it met. You never read of any time in the Scriptures where Jesus being stolen from, Jesus being uh, in a way that caused defeat in his life. I mean, we all know that Judas stole from the treasury. But as far, but the thing was, there was enough money coming in, didn't make any difference. I think that's pretty good. You got enough money coming in, it doesn't matter if the treasurer is stealing from you. That's a lot of money. It is. You see, he had an abundance mentality, and everything that he was, everything that he walked in, has made provision for us to walk in that as well. And remember that we have been qualified by the Father to receive this inheritance. This is not of our own doing. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, the Lord has given instructions to the people of Israel, and the people have all stood up and said, Okay, we say yes to the Lord's ways. We say yes to his instructions for life. We're going to heed his instruction. In Deuteronomy 5.29, the Lord says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it may be well with them and their sons forever. Why does God give us instructions for life? Because he knows what works. He has given instructions for life so that it is well with us. This is not God's issue. It's our issue. You know, there's easy ways to live. 
You know, Jen and I were talking about this a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago. She says, you know, it's really nice when you don't have to worry about, ooh, I might be pregnant as a single lady. It's really nice when that doesn't even cross your mind. It's really nice when you didn't drink a a whole bottle of bourbon with your friend last night and woke up with no clothes on. I mean, you know, some people, we don't have those kind of problems in our lives. You know, some of the problems people have are just because they have not heeded good instruction. Isn't that right? I mean, there's a whole lot of things. You know, if you never tell a lie, you never have to remember what you said. Right? I always thought it's got to be a lot harder to keep up with a lie than it's just be truthful. Right? It's an easier way to live. You know, when you're not worried, when you don't think you've, you know, you've not stolen from somebody, you can actually sleep at night and not worry about getting, you know, arrested. Amazing is the things that people worry about, isn't it? But the Lord said, it would go well with you if you'll do it my way. And it'll go well with your sons forever. Look at verse 32. So you shall observe to do just as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. You shall walk in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you will possess. Walking in the way he's commanded is makes your life work. If your life is not working, there's some part of your life that is not being lined up with the word of God, with the truth of God's word. You know, it's a crooked place in you that needs to be straightened out. And folks, I am not pointing the finger because everybody's got areas for improvement. Every last one of us have got things where it's just not working as well as it needs to. You think that's true? Yeah. So what is what it means is, We just want the Lord to help us, to give us grace and show us what needs to be tweaked and adjusted so we can get things straightened out in our life and not have any of that twisting, that veering from God's purpose, not have any of that perversion on any aspect of our lifestyle. You know, you know, I think about things like the the wonderful example of Jesus. You know, Jesus was rejected by men, the Bible says, but you know, he did not take on a spirit of rejection. You know, there are some people, you just look at them wrong, they get all hurt and rejected. You're not even trying to reject them, but they have taken on that kind of a thing. You know, Jesus, you know, watched people that he loved get mistreated. What about John the Baptist? I mean, he saw him get his, you know, when he wasn't there when it happened, but John the Baptist got his head cut off, right? That broke Jesus' heart. But you know what? He did not pull back and go on a tirade against King Herod. He didn't, he, didn't sit, he didn't sit there and start gossiping and tearing down King Herod. You know what he did? He decided to go heal some people. Spiritual weapon, folk. When the, when the enemy has come against you or somebody you love, don't use carnal weapons. Use spiritual weapons. Because see, our, our, what does the Bible say? It says that our wrestling is not with flesh and blood, Right? Jesus did more damage to Satan's kingdom by healing the multitude and casting out their demons than it would have done by just going off and telling Herod a thing or two. You know, he understood what was the real culprit behind the, behind the problem. It wasn't Herod. Herod was a puppet being masterminded by Satan. You know, Herod thinks, oh good, I've eliminated one prophet, one troublemaker, one who kept telling me I was doing stuff wrong, eliminated one. And Satan thought, okay, good, got one preacher down. Jesus says, here's a crowd, 
Let's heal them all, cast all their devils out. I'm telling you, do you understand how much more powerful that was? Every time that it looks as though the enemy has won a victory in your life, you need to turn the tables on him with spiritual force and go and do good for somebody else. Decide to be a blessing to somebody else, right? You know, there's been times, you know, got hit financially and determined, you know what? I'm not stopping my giving. I'm going to increase it. You know, there are times when people, you know, have, you know, they treat you wrong. They talk bad about you. They treat you like dirt. You know what the Bible says? It says not to return evil for evil, but to overcome evil with good. Why? Not only is it good for you in relationships and good for your soul, but it actually does change spiritual atmosphere. If every Christian who had ever been done wrong decide to do good every time, I think we'd be in full-fledged revival right now. What about if every time that you and I got hurt and offended, we decided to do what the Bible said, said instead of getting doing what our feelings told us to do, right? You see, there is a way of life. There's a part in the inside. There is sin on the inside of people that wants you to get twisted. It wants you to get your feelings hurt and get mad and get angry and go rant and rave and tear down and get even, right? Sure it does. But you know what? That's not you because on the inside of you is a holy, brand new creature, one made in the likeness and image of Almighty God. And if we will use spiritual weapons and begin to pray and intercede and determine to do good, to even, you know, give, you know, Jesus talked about if you do good to your enemy, it's like heaping coals of fire on their head, you know, doing good to somebody that doesn't deserve it. Yeah. These are things that will bring us into an abundant life, folks. Living above the circumstances, not under the circumstances. There are so many people that are living so far beneath. And it's time for us to rise up and to heed instruction. You know, as we've talked about from time to time, I really believe that we're in a season in which discipleship is key. Discipleship is a very important thing. And for many years, I think a lot of Christians have thought discipleship means one more Bible study I go to. You know, one more thing. But I'm, I'm seeing more and more that what we have to do is get in the middle of people's lives. How they're handling their stresses of life. How they're handling things and begin to help them get conformed to the image of Jesus. And in America, you know, that's not, people are not real thrilled, thrilled about that. Nobody wants you to tell them anything in America. Right? Land of the free, home of the brave. Nobody tells me anything, right? But you know what? To, in discipleship, this is, this is all about making people into images of Jesus. I mean, making people into a place to where they're healed, they're whole, they know what their gifts are, their lives are in balance, and they're bringing honor and glory to God. And whatever place of perversion and twisting, maybe it's because of a character flaw i told somebody the other day i said everybody's got character flaws and we spend all of our lives working on character flaws everybody's got character flaws everybody's got weaknesses there are things inherent in the personality that you've got yes i'll use myself an example i am a high d choleric personality for those who didn't know it and choleric personalities love to boss people around they love to tell everybody what to do and we're always right to the frustration of many other temperaments because we are usually right. It's just part of the, the framework, okay? And so, guess what? 
You can be choleric personality, as many Bible characters were. You know, Paul was choleric personality. Yes, he was. Same too. But you know what? It's like working on the weak part that says, I want to boss you around and run your life. But on the other hand, I do have instruction for you, you know. And, you know, and then dealing with people, you know, learning to be all things to people, learning to work with people according to their personality, you know. You know, I was, I thought it really funny one time a couple of years ago, we took a, we did some personality um, profiles, took some, you know, little tests to figure things out. And, and I found out that I was, by my temperament, I knew this already about myself, but I was the one person who is wired, hardwired by Almighty God to make people change. It's part of my temperament. We are here, it's move, follow, or get out of the way. That's the choleric's way. Lee Iacocca, remember that? That was, that's it. The cholerics are in charge, and they're going to tell you how to do everything. All right? I was surrounded with a room full of people who were, by nature, hardwired to resist change. <laughs> now, God's funny. Because we're all going to be frustrated. Because the people that don't want to change are going, leave me alone. But I can't leave you alone. Not only am I hardwired by personality, but I have a command from God. When God called me to ministry, that's what he said to me. It's this very scripture here from Luke that we looked at. It was make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the Lord said to prepare a people for the Lord. Well, that means that I have to make people change then. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say, do somehow something that will help bring about positive change. So when I stand before the Lord, I can say, yes, I did what you told me to. Oh, but look what the Lord says here. That you may live and that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you will possess. The way of life, folks. Um, There are so many times it seems that we wait until things are disastrous before we are looking for instruction. You know, there are a lot of people that's how they live. They go from crisis to crisis, from disaster to disaster. And there are so many times it's completely preventable. If we had just followed the clear instruction of Scripture, we wouldn't find ourselves in the situation that we sometimes do. In Proverbs 8, when wisdom is talking in verse 32, wisdom says, Now therefore, sons of men, listen to me. For blessed are those who keep my ways. Heed instruction, be wise, do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself. All those who hate me love death. I think it's really clear from the words of Deuteronomy and from the words of Proverbs that it's for our own personal benefit. This is why that we want to follow the instruction of Scripture because it makes our lives better. Okay, so the way of life involves the way of truth, getting conformed to the clear heart of Scripture so that we're living in the way that that the Lord intended for us to live. The Word of God is meant to be reverently obeyed. Isn't that true? You know, the Word of God is not just so we have a collection of stories or something, but there are things in the Word of God that we want to look for when we read your devotions, look for things to obey. Look for things that you can apply to your personal life. Do you know that the Word of God is designed to change your priorities? It's designed to change your lifestyle? It's so interesting to watch somebody who first comes to the Lord. 
They first come to the Lord and they've got all kinds of stuff going on in their life and all kinds of strong opinions about things. And yet as they surrender to the tutelage of the Holy Spirit under the Word of God, you begin to watch those opinions start to change. You begin to watch those lifestyle choices start to adapt a little bit here and there. After a while, you know, they start changing how they vote. They start changing what they do with their money. They start changing how they spend their free time. They start changing everything else that is not exactly conform to the Word of God. Folks, if we are partly obedient, we obey in part. If we are partly disciples, it means that we're going to have a partial blessing in our lives. We're going to have a partial experience of God's provision. You know, see, Jesus walked in the fullness because he obeyed everything God told him to. He walked in the fullness of it. So he walked in, in an amazing amount of provision, right? When you and I are not walking in that, that means it goes back to the problem's not on God. The problem is somewhere in us, something within us that needs to be tweaked or that needs to be adjusted so that we can receive the fullness because, see, God's already qualified us for the inheritance of the saints of light. It's already there. The Bible says in Isaiah 66, 2, the Lord says, To this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. God's looking for people who reverence the word of God, who take it seriously, and they don't go and pick through, well, I like this part, I don't like that part, and I like this, I don't like that. But instead, people who recognize the power of the word of God to transform a person's life and to bring you into provision. God's looking for us who will respect and reverence the word of God you know these things are not suggestions you know when the Bible says things like you overcome evil with good or or forgive those who have wounded you that's not a suggestion it's not something you could opt out of only if you want to have a partially blessed life you know the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard it doesn't say the way of the unbeliever is hard it's the way of the transgressor you know when we when, when a person transgresses the Word of God, it makes your own life hard. It makes things difficult for you. It doesn't make things harder on God. Jesus demonstrated the heart of God to heal, to deliver. He proclaimed the goodness of God so that people would follow and choose what was best for their own welfare. This is not about a list of rules. This is about just a lifestyle of conformity to the Word of God and to the truth. It's about that God loves you. The abundant life is going to come as we are obedient to the Word, but also that we allow the love of God to bring healing and transformation on the inside. Do you know that there are a lot of Christians that struggle with self-hatred? Particularly if you've been in church very long. How many of y'all were brought up, brought up in church? Most folks brought up in church. Most people that are brought up in church have spent their whole life in that kind of a church environment and they have heard, well, we want to be like Jesus. They've heard the high standard of lifestyle, right? And know that they don't measure up. So then what happens? Condemnation, self-hatred, fear, guilt, all those things. And you'll know, it's like Paul said, the good that I know to do, I don't even do it. Stuff I don't want to do, that I wind up doing. And we have found ourselves in that same place because you say, well, I know I should. 
I know I should. I know I should. And we say that to ourselves. And when you tell yourself, you know I should, you know I should, I should, I should, what feelings are being accompanied with that thought of I should have? You Condemnation. Isn't that right? You start feeling like dirt. Let me tell you something. Those thoughts are not yours. Those thoughts are from your enemy. You see, God's the one who justifies us. He doesn't condemn us. But it's the enemy will take your mistakes and your failings and your shortcomings and beat you over the head with them and make you feel like, you know, you're just worthless. You're not a very good Christian. You're not a very good person. And don't you hate yourself. And he will feed that stuff into you. And most people are not necessarily even thinking those thoughts. It's the feeling inside. It's the feeling I was, uh, I was sharing this with somebody uh, not too long ago. I was thinking about an aspect of my life. I was thinking about something, and I was not feeling good about myself because of it. And I just, I just had these feelings of, oh, man, you know, you got a real issue. You got, you, you know, just negative, negative stuff I was thinking and then I was, I, was just, I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden I said, you know what, I forgive myself. When I said I forgive myself, something broke. Something broke off my head when I said, I forgive myself. Christians, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. You know what? There are too many Christians, they don't even need the devil to come beat them up because they do it themselves all the time. I'm bad this, and I'm not this, and I, you know what, you are, how many of you would hang around a friend who told you what a jerk you were? You're a lousy person. You're just, you're just worthless. What a hypocrite. How many of you would spend time with somebody like that? But you do it to yourself. You have an internal thing going on, this internal thing condemning you, tearing you down. Folks, we got to get over it. We got to get past this. The battle is in the mind. And it's time for us to believe what the Word of God says, not what our feelings are. Because you see, this is another part of that twisting. That's perversion. When you hate yourself, when you don't love yourself, you are violating the Word of God. You're opposing God. Because God has already justified you. He's already forgiven you. He's already cleansed you. And when you beat yourself up, you're on the devil's side. You're not on God's side. You know, Jesus said there are those that will kill you and think they do God's service. There are Christians who feel like if they beat themselves up, then, you know, that's okay. Because God don't have to. But see, God, loving Father God, does not intend for you to beat yourself up. He intends for you to overcome. He intends for you to cast those thoughts aside. What's the Bible say? Taking every thought captive, hogtie that thing, grab a hold of it, and saying this thing is not going to have free reign in my thought process anymore. If you don't love yourself, you oppose God. You know what the Bible says? It says that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And what follows that? And you shall love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself, what kind of friend are you to yourself? What kind of a person are you to treat yourself? You know, folks, I know people, they treat everybody great, and they treat themselves terribly. The things that they say to themselves, they would never say to any of their friends or family. 
but it's that internal self-hatred thing that's going on. Folks, when we don't love ourselves, we oppose God. We have lied and believed another gospel because we're condemning ourselves in something that God has not condemned us for. We deny his statement of love. We open the door to the enemy, and we make ourselves a God. You know, to ourselves, we feel bad about something we've done. We confess it to the Lord. We say, God, please forgive me. God forgives you instantly, and that's what the Bible says, instantly. But you don't feel any better. So you go around kicking yourself, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that again. And you wind up tearing yourself down, and guess what? What kind of gospel are you listening to? That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you value your opinion over the word of God, you have elevated yourself to the position of God. And when God says he forgives you and he does not condemn you, but you won't forgive yourself and you condemn yourself, you're setting yourself against God. I want us to begin to really surrender to the truth of God's love. It is hard when you see the stuff going on inside of you that you know is not, is not right. There are weaknesses, there are flaws, there are problems, there's stuff going on inside of you, and it's really hard. You see, because you don't see what's going on inside of anybody else. I see y'all, y'all just look like happy, wonderful people, like you got it all together, right? And you're all sitting there thinking the same thing, oh, those people got it together. They don't have any problems. But you don't know what's going on inside of here. And there are people, it always amazes me when I find out sometimes the level of contempt that people have for themselves. And it's like, folks, you got to get your mind saved. Because what, how is this going to affect your, how is this going to affect you? If you are doing all of the external things exactly right, but you have not brought this internal thing under subjection to the law of Christ, what's going to be happening to your emotions and then what's going to happen to your physical body? You will make yourself sick by the things that are going on. We're going to be, we're going to be teaching we're going to be teaching a class about the spiritual roots of disease that's going to be very eye-opening. You know that God designed for us and paid for us to be completely healthy. But about everybody I know suffers with at least something. Allergies? At least something about everybody I know does. 80% of disease is caused from spiritual roots. My job, my goal and my job is to get you conformed to the image of Christ Jesus so sickness and disease has no place in you. Cannot find a place to latch on. Yes, we believe in healings and miracles and we've seen a number of them. But I also want to get that place within each one of us, I'm including myself, each one of us that is twisted, that is perverted, that's got to get straightened out with the word of God so the very life of God can flow through us and make us every whit whole. You see, Jesus has died for our healing. God's provided it. But many times there's blocks right here. There's blocks in our own selves, in our own emotions, in our own souls, in our, in our own thought processes. There are things like that that are blocking us from receiving the healing that, God's, that God has paid for us to have. And I, have, I really believe that in this, this thing of discipleship, our discipleship plan that we've got for members here 
as we've talked about it somewhat, you know, we want you to get your finances in order. We want you to find out your spiritual gifts. We want you to get your demons cast out. We want you to have all this kind of stuff taken care of. But you know what? We want your thought processes working to where they're not making you sick any longer. I want you healed and whole. And I want every last one of us. And I really believe that we are coming into a season to where we're going to begin to see a lot more conformity to the image of Jesus and that less and less room is being given to the devil. Less and less room does the devil have to get into my life or get into your life because we're living the way of life the way God designed it to be. Yes, there'll be challenges and issues and things we'll all come up with. But you know what? We win. We are intended to win. That's the prosperous life. Amen? Yes. Okay. The Bible says in Romans 8, 39, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not your sin. Not your shortcoming. Not your failure. Not those people out there. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, folks. We've got to remove everything inside of us that tries to prevent the love of God from really pouring down in our lives. And that means get rid of some of these thoughts and attitudes that the devil has planted to tell you you're not worth loving. I really want us to see this. This is, this is all about you live in abundance, folks. Walking in the fullness of the love of God. Let's turn to the book of Ephesians. I want to show you some wonderful scripture. And then we're going to take a little bit of time. We're going to pray. We're going to get some things cleared out and removed so that we can be closer to divine health, closer to miracles, closer. And we're, it's a process, folks, but I intend for everybody to win. Sickness and disease will not have place in you. No, not even allergies, nothing. None of that mess. We'll get rid of it. We believe in God. We believe in the power of the, the Word of God. We believe in healing. We believe in miracles. How come so many people that believe in these things are still sick? How come? That's the stuff we're going to be dealing with. We're going to get to the root of it. You know, some... Folks, I don't, want to, I don't want you to wait until you got really bad news from the doctor. I want you to get healed long before then, right? I don't want the devil to get that far in your life or in my life. And let me tell you something, folks. I knew this years ago. The devil sets people up when you're young. He sets you up when you're young. First of all, you inherit things from your family. And things you inherit, many of those things are not good. You inherit things from your family. He sets you up to where you get hurt, you get offended, you go through trauma, and you wind up over a period of time, he will begin to build and build and build on those things until the point comes to where you're emotionally crippled, you're destroyed, you have no motivation to life, and you're on your deathbed. The devil's plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. Isn't that right? That's what the Bible says. So we're going to get a clue. We're going to overcome. And we're not going to allow these things to continue. 
several years ago, I, I went through some very, very painful time in my life. Very, a lot of rejection was going on in my life several years ago. It was extremely painful, one of the most difficult times of my life. And I recognized then when it happened, if I don't get over this, if I can't get past this, not only will it knock me out of life, knock me out of ministry, everything, it's going to make me sick and I'll be a bitter, crabby old lady. I knew it. And I'm here to tell you, if the devil had his way, you'd all be bitter and crabby in your old age. Because you see, it's the disappointments you have when you're young. And when you're young, you might or might not get over them. I know people, they got hurt in their 20s, never got over it. Never got over it. And so what happened? The rest of their life is continuing on this drama of being hurt. They never get healed. They never move forward. <coughs> Folks, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do in the midst of it with the grace of God. The devil's got a plan, but God's got a plan too. God's got a plan that you and I love each other enough to tell each other the truth, that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. The Word of God has instruction for every challenge that we face in life. He had, there's a solution. What happens when you get hurt? What's the solution? Everybody knows it. Forgive. Easier said and done, isn't it? We want plan B. Give me another, give me something else to do. But no, there is one answer. It's forgiving the people that have hurt you. It's forgiving yourself when you've let yourself down. These things are necessary to keep us out of the devil's plan. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. Isn't that great? God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. Before we did anything right or wrong, He chose us. God blessed us with every blessing. Right? And his chosen, his intention for us is that we're holy and blameless. Holy and blameless means the devil's got nothing on you, right? Nothing can be pointed the finger, no fault can be found. Then it says, in love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Notice the tone of this verse. It's in love he has done this. It's kind intention. These are kindnesses. This is not God being mad and angry and fussing and ranting and raving. This is God's kindness, his goodness, his wanting to help us to live in a way that's going to be beneficial and a blessing for us. And it says he has freely bestowed his grace on us. His grace is his ability to overcome. It's his power being made available to us so that we can win every situation, every time. Flip over to chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 17. It says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. You see, folks, the only way we're going to live successfully is to be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded, established, firmly established in the love that God has for us. And it says, and to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. That means to have a working knowledge of, experience of the love of God that doesn't even make sense to you. You know, the love of God does not make sense to us because we live in a very conditional type of society. We love people conditionally, don't we? We love them until they do us wrong. We love them until they disappoint us. But unconditional love is love regardless because I choose to. Unconditional love is kind of like mother's love, you know. You can be disappointed, but when it comes down to it, mother's always going to love her kid. Always going to be there, you know. It's the one person whose love you can count on if she's healed and healthy and whole anyway is, is mom's love, okay. But God's love is even more so than that. And it says the, to know the love of God. And why do you need to know the love of God? So that you can be filled up with the fullness of God. Folks, if you and I are walking around full of the fullness of God, there's not a challenge we face that we can't overcome. There's not a need. There's not a disaster. There's nothing that we can't face if we are filled with the fullness of God. So what's the root of that? The root of that is being rooted and grounded in love. It's not even so much of having all your right doctrine in a row. You know what? It's better that you're rooted in love than even you got your doctrine straight. Right? I mean, you, who's got perfect doctrine anyway? Nobody. Come on. My doctrine gets tweaked. Doesn't yours? Sure. There are things you believe today. You didn't believe them five years ago. I mean, there's things I've been through some overhauls. I'm sure y'all have too. Right? And so, so we're not counting on our doctrine being accurate in every aspect 100% it's more important that we're rooted and grounded in God's love you know St. Augustine said love God and do what you want that's better than a lot of rules isn't it what Jesus said there's just two commandments right love God and love people just do those two if you do those two the rest of it will work itself out but folks in loving God and loving people you don't forget to love yourself this is something that Christians have a hard time, but this is what we've got to work on. The Bible says in 1 John 4.10, It is not that we love God, but that He loved us. There are so many of us, I think, that we, we are trying hard to love God. We try hard. We're going to show our love for God. We're going to pray. We're going to praise. We're going to worship. We're going to tithe. We're going to study. We're going to do things to show God we love Him. Show God we love Him. But you know what? It's more important that you and I receive the love of God. If we are fully receiving the love of God, that's going to transform our personality. That's going to transform our lifestyle. You know what? If you're completely confident in God's love for you, what's that going to, how is that going to affect the choices that you're making in life? The Bible says that in 1 John 4, 16, we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. John and Paul Sanford from the Elijah House talk about that they are called evangelists to the heart. Getting Christians' hearts back in line with God's heart. I want us to pray. I want us to close your books and everything for a few minutes and I'll do a little bit of evangelism to your heart. The Bible says that 
there's no fear in love. That perfect love casts out all fear. And he that fears is not made perfect in love. We're all works in progress. There's nobody here who's perfectly got all of this figured out. We're all works in progress. We're all handling things at different levels of a skill and ability. Some of us are handling things really well, and some of us, we're just not. And some of us, it looks like we're handling it really good on the outside, but inside of our heart, there's rage. Inside of our heart, there's turmoil. There's unforgiveness. There's all kinds of things inside that we know that it's not right. I want to ask you, look inside your heart, deep in your heart. Is there self-hatred? Is there self-hatred? Are you just fed up with yourself? Are you afraid somebody's going to find out what's really going on? Can you let things go? Or do you rehearse the same tape over and over in your mind? Do you tell yourself, you're unworthy, you're a hypocrite. What do you tell yourself? Is there condemnation deep in your heart? Do you feel like you've disappointed God? Disappointed your parents? Disappointed me? Do you feel like you've just let people down? Do you feel like you don't measure up as a Christian? Is there condemnation? over mistakes you've made. You lost your temper. You said something. You did something. You let yourself down. Is there condemnation? Deep in your heart, is there fear? Are you afraid that God's really not going to come through? Are you afraid of being found out? Are you afraid that if people knew who you really were, they wouldn't love you? They wouldn't treat you the same? Is there fear? Are you afraid that God's really not going to forgive you? Not going to heal you? Not going to fix it? If these thoughts and these feelings are in your heart, they come from your enemy. They come from your enemy. They do not come from God. It is God who justifies. These thoughts come from your enemy. You have an enemy that has a plan and agenda for your life to destroy you. And these thoughts were put there by your enemy. Do you forgive yourself? Do you love yourself? Right now, I want us to choose to surrender to God's love. Unexplainable, irrational love. We're going to surrender to God's love for us. We're going to let God love us without qualifying it, without all the reasons why he shouldn't. We're going to choose to believe what God has said and his word is true. When he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love, there is nothing can separate us from the love of God. We're going to choose to surrender to that love and to decide to know his love. And we're going to decide to be at peace.
right now recognize if you've had these self-hatred, condemnation, fear, things going inside of you, recognize that you have been perverted in your thinking, that you have been perverted from the Word of God. You've departed from the Word of God and you've departed from love. It's nobody else's fault. You take your own responsibility. You chose to allow those thoughts. You chose to allow those feelings. And these are contrary to the Word of God and contrary to the love of God. So recognizing that, now we're going to take responsibility. And if you would just, just kind of pray and whisper yourself, I'm going to lead us in some prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we recognize, Lord God, that we have been perverted in our thinking. We've departed from the Word of God. we departed from love of God. And we have allowed the thoughts of the enemy to come in, and we've accepted them as our own. We've allowed thoughts of self-hatred and condemnation and fear. And, Lord God, we take responsibility for serving that sin. It's a sin to hate ourselves. It's a sin to be in fear and condemnation. And so we take responsibility for serving those sins. Nobody else forced us to it. It was our choice. So we take responsibility. We don't blame people for what they did, for what they said. But we take our own responsibility. So Father God, we also take responsibility because we did not heed your instruction. Because it was clear in the word of God, you told us the, the right way to handle these things, the right way, and we did not do it. So, Father God, we ask you to forgive us right now. Father, we repent in Jesus' name from every bit of perversion in our thought processes, every bit of perversion in our emotions, in our soul. Father, we repent. We turn from those things right now in Jesus' name. And, God, we ask for forgiveness. Father God, would you forgive us for entertaining thoughts of unlove, thoughts of hatred, thoughts of condemnation and fear, thoughts of rebellion? God, I ask you to forgive us in Jesus' name. Forgive us for all those thoughts that we have been contrary to life, we've been contrary to truth. Hallelujah. Father, forgive us in Jesus' name. We know that your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father God, we receive cleansing and forgiveness for all those ugly thoughts we've had about ourselves. Father, we forgive ourselves in Jesus' name. God, we forgive those people who sinned against us, those people who hurt us, who offended us, who, who led us astray, those people who, who heaped condemnation and insults upon us, those people who caused us to be in fear, those people who let us down, who did not meet our needs. Father, we forgive and we release them in Jesus' name. We forgive those people in Jesus' name for those who sinned against us and for those who tempted us to sin against ourselves. Father, we forgive them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And right now, Father God, we forgive ourselves. I forgive myself. I forgive myself for these thoughts, for these feelings. I forgive myself for allowing the enemy to come in the way he did. I forgive myself for my bad behavior. I forgive myself for my stupid choices. I forgive myself for not being perfect. I forgive myself for, for living and behaving in a way that I knew better. But I forgive myself in Jesus' name. Make sure you forgive yourself. Just whisper it to yourself. You forgive yourself.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We forgive ourselves, Lord God. Because, Lord God, you don't condemn us. You don't judge us. So therefore, Lord, we are not putting ourselves in your place. We surrender to the word of God. All right, say this with me. In the name of Jesus, Jesus. I renounce renounce sins of of self-hatred, condemnation, condemnation, fear, fear, and not heeding instruction. I resist these sins. I I cast them far from me. And I command evil spirits spirits who have been talking to me, who have been been messing with my thoughts, who have been been affecting my body, who have been been stealing my peace. peace. I command you to go from me now. In Jesus' name, name. you have no place, place. and I will not serve you any longer. longer. I call myself myself a disciple of Jesus Christ, a a student of the Word of God, God. in whom the Lord is well pleased pleased. and glorified. glorified. Hallelujah. Now, Father God. Father, I ask you to restore us to your path. Restore us, our, our thought processes, the way we behave, God. Restore us to the path of life. Every place we've gotten sidetracked, every place we've been led astray, God, lead us back. Restore us, Lord, to the proper way in Jesus' name. And now, Father, right now, having had our sins forgiven, having forgiven those who have wronged us, having forgiven ourselves, having renounced and cast out evil spirits. Father God, we right now receive your love. Father, we receive your love and your peace. Father, may the love of God begin to flood through us. Lord, the very love that you have for us, God, we want to receive that. Lord, we want to feel your love for us. Lord, let it permeate every part of our being. Let the love of God, Lord, begin to, begin to soothe our emotions. Knowing, Lord God, that you don't condemn us. You're not casting us out. Lord, we receive your love. We receive your love. And Father God, we have peace with you. We have peace with you. Hallelujah. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord. Father, as we receive your love... We receive your peace. Lord, we are increasing in peace. We're choosing to believe the love you have for us. We're not going by the past. We're going by our experience. But we're choosing to believe the love that you have for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord God, you have qualified us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Your love is being perfected with us. So we have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as you are, so also are we in this world. We love you because you first loved us. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask right now, Lord God, 
for healing and for miracles. Father, I pray, Lord, for the healing virtue of Jesus Christ begin to flow through every man, woman, and child. Begin to flow from the top of their head, Lord God, to flow through their, the, every bit of their body. Father, I pray for healing power. That, Lord God, as things are being restored to proper balance within our emotions, within our thought processes, that the Word of God has come alive on the inside of our beings. And, Lord God, I pray, Lord, for healing and restorative miracles in Jesus' name. Lord God, I pray for the healing of eyes. I pray for the healing of teeth and sinuses and respiratory systems in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for hormones to become into balance in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for the central nervous system in Jesus' name, for healing miracles. Miracles, Lord, where the, he, where the nervous system is at peace. I speak to the nerves and I say, be at peace in Jesus' name. God, I speak, Lord, right now to the digestive system and I say, be at peace. May the love of God permeate the digestive tract in Jesus' name. Father, I speak for healing for reflux. I speak for healing, Lord God, for digestive disorders in Jesus' name. Lord, let healing power bring and peace begin to permeate stomachs. Lord, begin to permeate every part of the digestive system in Jesus' name. God, I pray, Lord, for the, for the um, circulatory system. God, I pray for healing in the physical hearts, Lord God. Healing, Lord God, in the blood, even in the marrow of the bone, Lord God, for healing power to begin to flow through and to drive out every trace of sickness and disease. God, I speak proper balance and order to the heart pumping systems in Jesus' name. God, I speak to the, uh, the, the uh, ventricles, Lord, and that they're the properly retaining the right amount of blood and pumping it out as you designed it. Lord, I speak hearts to work as you designed them to in Jesus' name. God, I speak for the immune system and life in the blood, Lord God, for the immune system to rise up strong in Jesus' name, for the red blood blood corpuscles to carry the oxygen to every part of the being, every part, God, where there is a need of nutrients, that, Lord God, that right now the blood is carrying those nutrients to those bodily parts in Jesus' name. God, I speak, Lord, to the um, to the whole immune system that it rises up strong. That God, as we begin to meditate on the love and peace of God, that our immune system begins to harmonize with the Word of God. That Lord God, that we are readily casting off sickness and disease in Jesus' name. That our immune systems are strong in the name of Jesus. Our resistance is good in Jesus' name. God, I speak to the skeletal system, Lord, to the spine, to the joints, to the ligaments, to the cartilages. Lord, Lord God, in Jesus' name. God, I ask for restorative miracles in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray, Lord, for backaches to disappear in Jesus' name. God, I pray, Lord, for connective tissue to be restored for for healing miracles in knees and ankles in joints in Jesus name I cancel assignments of arthritis in the name of Jesus I command arthritis to be gone I command pains in joints to be gone in the name of Jesus Father God I speak Lord to the uh, organs of the physical body in Jesus name God I speak to the pancreas in Jesus name and I say that the pancreas receives the very life of God in Jesus name and I come against every assignment of self-hatred that's manifesting in the pancreas in Jesus' name. I cancel and break the assignment of it. I cancel and break the assignment of false responsibility in Jesus' name. And Father God, I pray, Lord, for the pancreas to begin to function as you designed it to in Jesus' name. God, I pray for the spleen and the gallbladder. God, I pray for the lungs. I pray for 
for the uh, reproductive systems in Jesus' name. God, for the life of God to begin to flow through every system and every being, every part of our being that begins to receive nourishment, Lord, not only from the blood vessels, but God, nourishment from the very word and life of God. And I pray, pray, Lord God, for the endocrine system. Lord, for bounce to come into every gland, every gland in our beings, Lord God homeostasis in the human body in Jesus name. God, I pray for the electrical systems, Lord God, within the brain for Lord God, for the brain to begin to work and to begin the, the function of the synapses, the way you designed it to in Jesus name. Father God, from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, I speak life and I speak health and wholeness and healing. And in Jesus' name, I command muscle cramps to be gone in the name of Jesus. I speak, Lord, to the muscular systems that the muscles are able to carry and function as you designed them to, Father God, in Jesus' name. Father, I command pain to go in the name of Jesus. I command disease to go in Jesus' name. Father God, we receive the very life of God. We receive the very life of God into every tissue, into every tissue, Lord God. Father, and we choose, we choose to walk in your way of life and your way of peace. Father, and I pray over everyone's sleep. Father, I pray that when we lay down to sleep, that we receive restorative, recuperative, restful, sleep. Father, I pray, Lord, for sweet dreams. I pray, Lord God, for the presence of the Lord, for the angels of the Lord to surround us, Lord God, that, Lord, that we're able to receive revelation while we sleep. We're able to receive solutions to problems we're facing while we sleep. I praise you for it, Father. I praise you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage every last one of us to press in for the high calling. That, Lord God, that we're not satisfied with a barely subsisting Christian existence. But, Father God, that we have a real heart and desire for the abundant life that Jesus died for us to have. The Father, that we come behind in no good gift, we come behind in no grace of God. But Father God, that we are living happy lives, rewarding lives, lives that make a difference, lives, Lord, that cause unbelievers to be envious. For your glory, Lord God, for your name's sake. But Lord God, you are glorified when we are healed. You're glorified when we're whole. You're glorified, Lord God, when we're at peace and at rest in our souls. So be glorified, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Let's stand up and let's worship the Lord. Let's thank the Lord for our healing. Let's thank the Lord for our forgiveness. Yes, Lord God, we choose your ways, oh God. We choose your ways. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www. 
www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15858, Chesapeake, Virginia 23328. Thank you.